You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. My partner, Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach with the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Memphis Grizzlies, color analyst for the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Mike, the Cavaliers had a road trip, went one and two, maybe a little disappointing for them. They lost in New York to the Knicks. They won in Houston and then lost in Oklahoma City, came home and played the Los Angeles Clippers without five of the Clippers' top six scorers, and the Cavaliers won pretty handily in that game. A stretch where, okay, maybe you would have liked to have picked up another win in that stretch, either a win in New York or a win in Oklahoma City. And the Clippers doing him a bit of a favor, Mike, coming in hot, and yet then sitting everybody for load management and the Cavaliers picking up a win in that game. Not the greatest of performances for the Clippers, unfortunately. The doctors and trainers uh, make decisions a lot of times that uh, coaching staffs wind up paying the price for, and the team does as well. Uh, But they're all doing it to try and save the player from damaging themselves. As you know, sometimes you get players that will never sit out. They play with injuries, and it makes it worse. And what they want to be able to do is go into the playoffs with a full squad uh, knowing that they have their best chances of winning down the road. So uh, it was a tough, tough night for the Clipper organization. Whenever you take five of the top six scores out and you play against a very, very good defensive team, it's tough to find points. And if you watch any of that game last night, you saw how hard it was for Los Angeles to come up with field goals, particularly in that first half. And the guys out there played as hard as they could. They did the best they could, but they're not your frontline guys. And playing against a good opponent who's playing their frontline guys, like the Cavaliers, you're going to pay the price for that. And they did last night. So you kind of put that one away if you're the Clippers and move on. If you're the Cavs, you go back and lock them and say, we didn't make the same mistake that we did against Golden State. We didn't overlook a team that was shorthanded. We came out and did what we were supposed to do. The Cavaliers were supposed to win that game last night, and they did. They won it easily, handily. They looked good at both ends of the floor, and now they move on. That's that's the NBA. You had an up-close-and-personal look at that one, Mr. Fratello, as you were combining your two teams that you're working with this season. You, you live in Cleveland. You work with the Cavaliers. You also travel and do a lot of stuff with the Los Angeles Clippers. In fact, even more so. And you were in Cleveland 
working for the Clippers. How was that for you? I had enough questions that I had to answer last night. I, I, I remember bet. going back when uh, the Cavaliers came out to Los Angeles and I was doing that game also for the Clippers. In warm-up lines, Kevin Love, one of my neighbors in the community, uh, came running over at a warm-up line and says, pick a team. <laughs> he saw me sitting trying to do the open for the Los Angeles Clippers. So I appreciated that. I always appreciate Kevin. Uh, and last night, I, I saw so many great, you know, familiar faces in the sure. building. I saw people that I've known from the time I was coaching here, and they've been loyal Caps fans. And you know, they uh, were ribbing me, giving me the, uh, I, I think, appreciating the fact that I was still working uh, and doing games but that I was not doing it for the Cavaliers. So why aren't you doing it for the Cavaliers? But that, that's a long story, right, Jeff? <laughs> that is a long story. Yes, it is. And I would think, Mike, you know, most of the folks, you know, we have people who listen to our our podcast here. and But when you're working with the Cavs, you're not talking about the Clippers. So a lot of folks sitting there in Cleveland thought, boy, Mike's really confused. He's, <laughs> he's sitting over at the wrong bench. I, they would have no idea that you're working with the Clippers and Clipper people would have no idea you're working with the Cavaliers. So I can only imagine what you were going through. There, there was a time once or twice during a game last night where I started to say th something and I almost said Cavs, but I caught myself just before it and said Clippers <laughs> instead. And anytime that I was confused of which player scored, I kept it generic and moved past it. So I wasn't pinpointing whether it was a Clipper or a Cav that I meant to say. That was a very nice move on your part. Uh, it left the Cavaliers with a record of 31 and 21, Mike. They're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference as we speak, five and a half out of first. I, I wonder, as a guy who coached in the league forever and has followed the league forever, Cavs, after that really good start, are nine and 10 in their last 19 games. And I'm not sure what to think about it. They played so well at times this year. I would think it's not a slump. I would think it's just part of the normal season where, all right, you're in a little lull. You're going back and forth. You've dealt with a couple of injuries here and there. If you're J.B. Bickerstaff, are you worried about going 9-10 and 10 in 19 games? And if so, or even if it's a little something, Mike, what do you do to kind of, kind of perk it up a little bit? You only worry about it if you can't see the answers in front of you on paper. When you're looking over everything, you're trying to figure it out. It could be number of road games versus number of home games during that 19-game stretch. It could be injuries that are happening to your team that you didn't have earlier in the seasons. In the meantime, other teams may have gotten players back during that 20-game stretch that they didn't have early on. So now they're just starting to get stronger from what they had been earlier in the season. Uh, you know that the All-Star game is coming up shortly. And the reason that they've always taken the all-star break is to let the players not only showcase the greatest players in our game, but it's a little break for them away from the uh, grind of the road of the preparation every day for the games that are coming up each night, give them a little mental break and then try and finish up strong down the backstretch. And, and believe me, and particularly this year, when the all-star game and all-star week is over with and meaning the extra days that the players get off now, uh, in addition to the three days of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, All-Star Weekend, 
when that's over and done and they come back to play games, this regular season is going to fly mm. by to the end of the season. Um, you're down. All of a sudden, you're looking up and you got 15, 12, 10 games left and the count is on. Yeah. And that that's when it really becomes interesting with who's still in this playoff race and who's packing it in saying like, ah, I think the pink ball, pink pong balls might be good for us this year. There are only 30 games left for the Cavaliers, Mike, but uh, in that game against the Clippers, Donovan Mitchell came back. Terrific. Good to see him back out on the floor. And it probably couldn't have gone better for the Cavs because Donovan didn't play a whole lot in that game. J.B. Bickerstaff had the luxury of not playing his starters big minutes because the Cavs jumped out early. Uh, you saw Donovan. How did he look to you? I thought he looked good. I, I kind of got the feeling after the beginning of the game at the end of the first quarter into the second quarter that he may not be seeing a lot of minutes that night. I was in agreement totally with J, what JB's thinking was. Ironically, in that third end of the third or fourth quarter, beginning maybe of the fourth quarter, there was a point there where the Cavs were up 35, 37 points in the game. And the people that the Clippers had on the floor started to make a little run and they outscored them 10-0, 12-2, something like that. And I just said to my broadcast partner, Brian Seaman, you know, Brian, what do you think the score has to get to before JB takes a timeout? At that point, the Clippers made another basket. JB stood up and said, timeout. My partner said, it's right about now at this point that he's taking the timeout. You just had to feel that, you know, yeah, you're comfortable, but now that they're around 27, 28 points down with 10 minutes to go, 11 minutes to go in the game, nah, I'm not taking a chance. Great timeout that time by JB Bickerstaff. Mike, I think it's interesting, and let's wrap up that game against the Clippers with talking about the Clippers. You started at the at the beginning of the podcast mentioning it. You have Paul George. You have Kawhi Leonard. Uh, you have Morris. You have Reggie Jackson. That's a really talented bunch, and it's clear that the Clippers' philosophy is let's do as well as we can while we balance the idea of being really ready to go when we hit the playoffs. And I think that team is talented enough that if they hit the playoffs healthy, in decent shape, they could make a really big run in the Western Conference that appears to be really wide open this year. So many of the major teams, the major contenders, have a, a hole. There's a loophole somewhere that they're scrambling right now to try and figure out how do we fill that hole. If you ask anybody in basketball circles, what's the one weak point that the Cavaliers might have? I would think the consensus would be, who's their small forward? Who's the small forward that's going to carry them to where they want to get to? Is it Okoro? Is it Stevens? Is it Osmond? Do you put Karis LeVert there? Well, the same thing is going on with the Clipper organization right now. What's their glaring area of concern for them? And both teams. Both of them have very deep rosters. Both front offices have done a great job of accumulating talent. But the Clipper organization is looking for that point guard, veteran point guard who's a true old-school type point guard, not today's modern score 25 to 30 points every night point guard, one who can run the show, distribute the ball, get it to the guys that have to have the ball in their hands. 
That's what they would need, I would think, if you ask their front office and coaches staff, what's the glaring weakness? So uh, people scrambling, scrambling till February 9th, trade deadline to see what's out there, what can they come up with. And then the worst thing that could happen right now is your team starts to play well, like the Clippers put five in a row together before yeah. last night. And what does the front office do? Do they say, hey, five in a row, we're not that bad. Maybe we should leave it alone, not mess with it. Or do you look at it and say, no, we may have won five in a row, but we know what we need if we want to go further in the playoffs. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. We thank you for listening. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. My partner, Mike Fratello, longtime NBA head coach and color analyst, network level, now working with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. Mike, you just mentioned the Cavaliers at the small forward spot as something they're looking at. And I wonder, when you think about that, if you're a team like the Cavaliers and you have a dynamic backcourt in Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and you have a dynamic frontcourt with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, what are you looking for at the small forward spot? What do you need out of the fall, uh, out of the small forward spot? Do you need a scorer? you need a defender? You need a guy who can move the ball, a guy who can spot up and hit hit the three or or an open jump shot. What is it that you need that you think would complement the core four pieces the best? He's that wing swing kind of guy that has enough size to defend the six seven, six eight, six nine small forwards that you have in the game nowadays. He's versatile enough to put the ball on the floor and create shots off the dribble. He can shoot threes because he's going to wind up being one of the perimeter players, whether it's either in transition or in the set offense. It'd be nice if he could swing between back and forth between two positions, whether it's three, four or two, three. And defensively, depending on how important defense is to your total game plan and scheme, he's got to hold his own defensively because many of the nights, he may be playing against the premier player from the other team, depending on which team you're playing that night. You know, it might be Tatum one night, might be Kawhi Leonard, Paul George another night. Uh, so this guy's going to be tested night in and night out. Can he hold his own defensively within the framework of what team defense is all about? We're going to look at some internal options here first, Mike. But what are your thoughts on having a guy start at that position? depending on what's needed that night. In other words, the opposition, who they might be guarding at the start of the game. Would you rather have one guy or are you okay with matching up depending on the opponent? I've always been the one guy type of coach, meaning I like to get my starting five set. I like them to know, hey, I'm starting out the game. And then you can manipulate and substitute earlier on given nights to try and get a better matchup with the first unit or then the second unit, depending on who was coming off the bench. For example, with the Clippers, Norm Powell comes off the bench. Norm Powell can score 20 points every night yeah. coming off the bench. I mean, he's that good of a scorer. Do you have anybody in your second unit that can stop him? Or do you want to take somebody off the first unit, play him less for minutes, and then when Powell comes in the game, put him back in to try and match up against Powell? Uh, all decisions that you have to make as a head coach. But uh, I thought – Guys like to know their starters. Guys like to know I'm coming in first off the bench, second off the bench, third guy in off the bench. Or if you're playing 10 guys and you're two units deep, 
Here's my first unit. Here's my second unit. We know the plays were probably running for the first unit. We know the plays were probably running for the second unit to go to the guys that give you the best chance of scoring. And then you do the rest with your defense and rebounding and getting out in transition and making good decisions, playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. Let's take a look at some of the Cavaliers' internal options here, Mike. And as you mentioned, the trade deadline's coming up on February 9th. That's a week from Thursday. Let's keep that in mind with every team. Let's start with Isaac Okoro, who has made the most starts for the Cavaliers of those guys who have been starting at small forward a little bit. Young guy. Obviously, the offensive game still needs to develop, but there are nights, Mike, that it looks like, okay, Isaac's the explosive young defender out on the wing who can spot up and hit a three, who could be that guy. Is that is he lacking anything that makes you think he can't continue to develop from this point on? Does he hit the three-point shot on a regular basis because he will be the guy that's left last open as the team swings the ball, kicks it out of a double team, one pass out, one pass over, next pass over. That's where Coral winds up finding himself. Now, last night, Jetty would have been great in that spot last night, the hot hand that he had shooting yeah. the three balls last night. Uh, let's go back. I'll go back a few years, Jeff. Do you remember when I was coaching and we had the four rookies playing on the team? Eric Anderson, Brevin Knight, Zadrunas, Cedric Henderson, along correct. with Sean Kemp. Correct. And we started that season out with person at the small forward position. Wesley. Wesley was not strong enough, big enough to play the small forwards. He was getting beat up defensively. But, boy, could he really shoot the basketball really for us. Yeah. So what we did, part of the way in, we sat Derek Anderson down and said, Derek, here's what I'd like to do. I think we can be a better team if you come off the bench. Let me start person at the two guard and bring Cedric Henderson in at 6'8", run like a deer, jump, long arms, can really defend, block shots, put him at the small forward spot to defend against those tough small forwards, then we bring you in uh, after the game goes by six, seven minutes. And then it's who is on the floor at the end of the game. That's so important. So Derek was cool with that. We made that move and that team went on to win 47 games. However, that team I felt could have won 50, 51 games with four rookies all playing significant minutes in the game. If Cedric Tennyson could make an 18 foot jump shot. Because there was so many times that between Derek Anderson, Brevin Knight, the dribble penetration that we had from those two, that they would drop it off or we would swing the ball, come out of a pick and roll, bump one more pass over. And who was the open guy? Cedric Henderson. And he just couldn't make enough of them where a couple games we lost by two, three, four points during the course of the season. He makes a couple more buckets. We win those games. We're a 50 win team. But that's how critical it is. So Okoro has to prove himself that it's not just one night where he goes out and makes a couple perimeter shots. Can he do that on a regular basis at the same time, keep that hard-nosed defensive mindset that he has, learn how to put the ball on the floor better than he's doing right now so he can create shots for a Donovan Mitchell. He can create shots for Darius Garland. And then that will all make his teammates better players. So that's the answer to his question. Dean Wade, Mike, is the guy that I think, boy, could this be the guy? 
He's only played in 22 games because of injuries, yet he's the Cavaliers' leading three-point shooter. He gives you that look, a longer guy who can hit the three, has really good range that they had last year with Lowry Markkinen at the three and made a little bit of a, a defensive matchup nightmare for the other teams because you had such length. Dean's not quite as tall as Lowry, but he's pretty close and, and maybe a better defender with quicker feet. Do you like Wade in that spot? I like Wade in it. They played well when he was in it early in the year. As you mentioned, he is uh, filling the prescription for a three-point shooter on the perimeter. Another guy to go along. He can drag and transition, hit those transition threes. He can set the screen, step back in transition. He can be a corner guy in transition that the ball gets reversed to or as Garland comes down the lane or Mitchell comes down the lane, they can spray the ball out. And if he's one of those guys on the side, we know he can make a shot. Can he put the ball down on the floor well enough to create shots for other people? I'm not sure. And remember, when we're talking here, I'm talking about perfection. Right. Are we going to get that guy that can do all these things and do them all well? If you had that guy, his name might be LeBron right now or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but you, you strive to try and improve the areas that you need improvement in. And if you're going to do a trade, he's got to fill that spot and fill the needs that you have. So, you know, Dean Wade is Dean Wade, and it would be a mistake for Dean Wade to try and play any differently than he does play right now because what he does really helps his team be better. In the offseason, he can work at the other things, work at putting the ball on the floor more. He's never going to get shorter. I mean, he, he is what he is size-wise, so don't expect him to tricky dribble like Darius does out there or Donovan does out there. But learning to put it down just well enough so he can take it somewhere, create a shot for himself or someone else, that would be a little bit more important, I think, in his growth development. Guy who's intriguing, Mike, is Lamar Stevens, who was an undrafted player, has come in, and I think really shown that he can help a team win basketball games. He's made 18 starts at that small forward spot. Gritty, defender. I think his offense is better than you think, but I don't know if he has that range that a guy like Dean Wade can give you at that three and that maybe a Coro can give you. Is he an option in your mind? Of course, he's in that shuffle. He's in that mix. We've seen him, uh, was it about a week ago? week ago, two weeks ago when I was doing one of the Cavs games. They finished the game out. And they were down in most of the game. I'm just trying to remember who it was against. But they were down most of the game. And they wound up with Okoro and Stevens on the floor at the same time in the fourth quarter. And JB just left them out there. And they wound up winning that game. It was a close game, but they wound up winning it with two guys who I think you would say are more defensive guys than they are offensive guys. But that's what they needed to win that game. They needed stops. It may have been against New Orleans. I'm trying to think back. But two defensive-minded guys, hard, hard-nosed, hard gritty, tough guys, a little bit of muscle on them, not afraid to lay the wood, not afraid to take a foul when you have to send the message and take a foul, but doing it in the right way so you're not getting a technical or a penalty when you take that foul. Last thought on this, Mike. Jetty Osmond had the huge 29-point night, 707 threes in the game against the Clippers. But he's come off the bench every game this year. Karis LeVert has started some, but he's been terrific coming in. And there's Darius and there's Donovan. And Karis, though he can play some small forward, maybe is better suited to play guard. There's the third guard in this offense. And Kevin Love has been terrific off the bench going back to last year. 
and hoping hoping he shoots his way out of the little funk that he's in right now. Would you mess with any of those three leaving their current roles to try and become the starting three for the Cavaliers? That's a tough problem for the head coach to figure out because he knows what the chemistry is of this team every day in practice. Don't, don't think they don't go with different combinations in practice to take a look and see. Uh, one guy might need rest one day, he might have a, a tweaked ankle, bad back, whatever it might be. So that's a good day for him to put one of the other guys in on, on that spot in practice. And I don't want to make it sound like they practice a whole lot. But when they are fortunate enough, to get a practice in where they actually do work. Uh, they get a look at the different combinations of people to try and see, hey, that guy makes us better here, that guy makes us better there. The ball stops when this guy comes on the floor. All of that goes into the equation when trying to figure out who that guy should be. So uh, it's nice to have the choices. It, I think it would be a lot worse if J.B. Looked down the bench and saw nobody there. He saw you and I there as options. Imagine uh, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> he'd look at his assistant and go, Are you kidding me? He'd, he'd be calling the front office in about two seconds and say, Get those two guys off the bench. I need some guys that can play right now. Phelps, yeah. Fratello, no way. We'd give small forward a whole new meaning, Mike. I, I don't we think anybody's interested. Would. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. Mike Fratello, former Cavs head coach, Grizzlies head coach, and head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, color analyst with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. According to tankathon.com, Mike, which is a phenomenally fun website, you get around the draft, you can just keep playing that lottery game over and over and over again and see if your team ends up with a number one pick. Uh, According to what I saw today, Second easiest schedule the rest of the way in the NBA belongs to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I'm banking on Tankathon's numbers being accurate there. I found that interesting. But I also found, okay, well, if that's happening, it's not happening soon. Because the Cavaliers' next two games against the Miami Heat and the Memphis Grizzlies. So two tough opponents coming up. Let's talk about Miami. They are right behind the Cavaliers in the standings. They're in sixth place. And and if there's a team, Mike, that I think can get it together and make a push, not just to get to the Cavaliers, but maybe even beyond, it's the Miami Heat. They are a a top-notch organization that seems to be able to compete every year. How do they do that? They have great front office. Uh, Pat Riley uh, leading the way there. Remember, Eric Spolstra was his hand-picked coach. Uh, Spolstra's come up through the system. Riley has watched Spolstra in the film room, watched Spolstra work as a skill development person with players when Riley was coaching, and they were bringing in young guys to be developed. The, the Dwayne Wades, for example, that Spolstra spent hours and hours with and developing his ball handling and shooting. So Riley has a great amount of trust and confidence in him, and he's surrounding himself with outstanding scouts. He's had the scouting system and staff in place for many, many years now. and They've come up with some outstanding picks. When you win a lot of games and you have your own picks, you wind up picking low in the draft each year. When that happens, you've got to be really good to try and make sure that you're getting somebody that has a chance to develop and be an NBA player. They've also been very shrewd in going out and doing deals and signing free agents. 
And Miami is a destination-oriented type place. Yes, Players in the league want to go to Miami. They like the warm weather. Florida is one of the states that does not have the taxes. Playing for the Heat organization with Pat Riley at the top, Eric Spolster coaching, you've got two of the absolutely best in both positions in the NBA. Why wouldn't you want to go there? They take care of their players. They take care of their alumni. Their alumni speak very highly of them. Whenever the alumni go back, they Hmm. treat them well and take care of them. So you can put and plug pieces in uh, each year, whereas other teams may not be able to do that. Uh, My hunch is, I'm just guessing, if they could have done it over again, I would think that they probably would have tried to keep P.J. Tucker on maybe a one-year deal. Just get one more year out of him. Uh, in Miami because that might be a little bit of what's wrong with them right now. That toughness factor that came out of PJ each night, night in and night out and that voice in the locker room and doing it the heat way night in and night out. That was all part of what PJ is about besides every once in a while making those corner threes. Well, I don't know. His demands may have been too high. His agents may have been asking too many years, too much money. And he couldn't do that by signing a couple of their younger guys who they extended their contracts. So they lost PJ. And I would not be surprised right now if Miami is one of the big players in the trade game Mm. as we approach February 9th. Uh, You know, their three-point shooting over the last couple of weeks has just not been what it had been. And they were so dynamic from behind the three-point line, the number that they would take and make each night. Well, that's not happening. You have teams running back at them in transition. So, you know, they've gone through their peaks and valleys this season, yet they're still six, seven games above the 500 mark. And right there in the standings, fighting for home court advantage. And, you know, they're going to be prepared every night. Uh, They're a tough-minded team. But physically, maybe they're looking for somebody that can give a little bit of physical toughness there behind either out of bio in the center position or one of the wing positions like PJ did a year ago. They come to Cleveland for Tuesday's game against the Cavaliers uh, with seven wins in their last 10 games, Mike, and a couple of things that back up exactly what you said. You know, when they, when they had LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, I mean, obviously they went to the finals four years in a row. They won it. They, they were outstanding in eight seasons since LeBron left. You know, when LeBron leaves someplace, you got a lot of work to do. And Chris Bosh, unable to play. Despite all that, in eight seasons, they've only had two losing seasons. And that's after those those huge losses. They've actually gone to the NBA Finals once since then. And the Eastern Conference Finals twice. And, you know, I've... You look at other teams and you think, boy, how do they do that and everything else? You laid it out perfectly the way they handle things but I don't think they get enough credit for being as impressive as they, as they are with everything they do. And, and I think they kind of still might get a bad rap because when LeBron and Bosch went there and joined Dwayne Wade, everybody thought, well, they just bought a championship, bought a, a terrific team. That's been anything but the case, you know, since those guys aren't playing there anymore. So true. And haven't there been other teams that we could say wound up? However, they got there. They got there somehow. Yeah. 
So if if they're free agents and you're bidding against other teams for the amounts of monies or the amounts of years, uh, I remember when we were going after, I was in Memphis and we really needed a point guard. And we went after Damon Sotomayor and all the other teams were offering him three years. And Jerry West stepped up and said, we'll give you four years. Damon Sotomayor came uh, to Memphis uh, because of the one more year that it was willing to give him. So, um, because of Miami's situation, what they've accomplished, who they are, and what they've done, uh, it makes them very, very attractive. And, and the question I'll ask you is this. When you you can name me any hole in the, the team roster that you feel you need to fix, but I ask you, when you fix it, have you given up too much and created more mm-hmm. holes in the roster than you had before? Because front offices aren't dumb. They're not stupid. Every once in a while you get lucky and you get a deal that you feel was like, you know, in our favor, we worked at. Look at the deal they did to get Donovan Mitchell. At first, there's so many people say, oh, my God, they give up so much to get this guy. I was people, one of those. I still am, uh, but but he's working. Yeah, but uh, many of those people were people that may never have seen Donovan Mitchell play live in person before. And they hear he's on the Western Conference. He's coming over, giving up. How about the fact that marketing goes there and should be an all-star for the Western Conference? Yeah. I hope that they wind up putting him on the Western Conference all-star team. Donovan Mitchell's a starter for the Eastern Conference all-star team. So the Cavs did great. Utah did really good. So that's a good trade for both teams. But like I said, you got to be careful when you start giving up pieces of what makes you good right now to get that one more thing. What are you willing to give up? What don't you need? Are you stockpiled? Oh, my goodness. Okoro, Stevens, Osmond, Maurice, um, Wade. That's six players that could all play that perimeter small forward position. So if you're overloaded there, maybe you can use one of those combined with something else. Who knows? Pick, money, a G League guy that you have on your team with potential down the road. Maybe that's what you use to bring in whatever you want, but don't ruin what's made you good. Sir, a pleasure. Always good to talk to you. And we'll look forward to the Cavaliers against the Miami Heat. And I would think the the Heat and the Cavs will be very ready for that game coming up on Tuesday night because right now they're sitting five and six in that Eastern Conference. So it should be a fun one. Well, think about it. You have one team coming off a great win, bouncing back, okay, after a week earlier having lost the game against Golden State where Golden State was completely shorthanded and still wound up beating him. So the message was sent. The message was received. They went out and acted on it. You have a Miami team who was in control of the game the whole first half and winds up losing uh, yesterday against Charlotte, an afternoon game, and now comes in after – uh, the coaches probably got their message across to them. Uh, that's not the way they expect them to play. And both teams understand they're looking at the standing saying, this is an important game for us. Remember, there are things called tiebreakers hmm. that if you can win the season series and ever came that down to that fighting for the fourth position, let's say, yeah, those tiebreakers become very important. He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps, and we thank you for listening to Basketball Gold. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Betway.com. Betway, for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER.